1: Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, recording from Prague in the Czech Republic today. And my guests will be calling in from London, England. But we do have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you a little bit what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your future success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and go visit me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to get an email from you. If you'd like to be in a guest on our show, show, and you are a professional business person, or you are a passionate expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, if you are in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we'll make sure that you take away something useful for your business or for yourself. Now, on to what we're going to talk about today. So uh, privacy is dead, right? I mean, Facebook knows everything about you. They know everything about me. LinkedIn has documented my entire career. I'm sure it's documented your career also. And consumer behavior repeatedly says that people just don't care about privacy no matter how much they complain about it. Research shows that US adults, about 60% of them, claim to care about privacy but they really don't lift a finger to an effort to present, per, pro, uh, excuse me, I'm having one of those days, <laughs> an effort to preserve their privacy. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't do that either. Um, behaviors show that Peter don't, people don't alter privacy settings online, they don't complain when their phone numbers are asked for, and they certainly don't insist on encrypt email. So... We claim to care about privacy, but our actions show differently. But if we don't care about privacy, someone is going to care about it for us. And so who's going to care about it for us? Well, it's going to be governments and governing bodies. Regulations such as the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, which is called GDPR, probably the most unpopular acronym of this century, it went into effect in May of this year and has affected the entire world as it was a legislative step to protect an individual's privacy. So why are governments taking control of our privacy? It's because privacy is important for a number of reasons. Some have to do with the consequences of not having privacy because people can be harmed or debilitated if there's no restrictions on public access to or the use of personal information. Other reasons are more fundamental because the collective intelligence of the internet's 2 billion users and the digital fingerprints that all of us leave all over the web can be misused by some and can be profited by others. So when you think about it, actually those are profiting from our personal information. They shouldn't be profiting from it. Maybe I should, it's my personal information. It's your personal information. Shouldn't we be profiting from it? But the train has already left the station. We live in a digital world. So the question is, how can we prevent a train wreck? Will the implementation of new rules and regulations make data not accessible? Will new rules and regulations stop technical advancement and innovation? What will it do to the digital ecosystem that has developed over the last years, or will it create its new ecosystem? And how can we keep advancing and use new technologies such as AI, artificial intelligence, While protecting personal data. So these are some of the questions we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what's happening around personal data and e-privacy around the world. And for that, we have an expert today, Vincent Portier is the founder of a digital consultancy company, London Digital Ventures, specializing in data privacy, GDPR, data strategies, and global commercial and operational strategies. Vincent has over 20 years experience in the media and marketing industry. He is one of the pioneers and thought leaders of the industry in Europe. He is actively consulting on GDPR for numerous ad tech companies, advising on a range of topics ranging from legal interpretation to technical implementation to data audits and to its evangelism throughout the ecosystem. He sits on the Council of the Regulatory and Legal Affairs Committee at Internet Advertising Bureau in UK and has been involved with privacy matters with the Internet Advertising Bureau, And has lobbied privacy matters at the European Parliament. And he is actively participating in the Consent Working Group, which aims to develop a full consent protocol for GDPR. He is a frequent speaker and panelist. He is a renowned digital expert and has in-depth knowledge of the marketing industry. His experience in the sector has meant he has much to do about everything around digital. From marketing to advertising to strategic matters, he provides us with a wealth of experience in digital to help further boost business growth. Vincent has a number of roles across Europe, Asia, and Latin America, consulting on digital strategies. So, Vincent, thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
2: Hello, Gun. Thank you very much for inviting me, Kimberly.
1: Okay. So let, let's start out pretty, st- let's start out simply. Um, you know, GDPR happened here in Europe. Um, it's implemented in May. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with this acronym, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about what the general data protection regulation was about?
2: So, of course. um, So first of all, as you say, GDPR, the acronym stands for General Data Protection Regulation. I mean, the word regulation in European law is important uh, because a a regulation is not any kind of law. It's a law which clearly aims to harmonize and harmonize legislation across every single European country. Um, What it is about, I mean, for 20 years, The I mean the Europe has not updated its legislation with regard to data privacy, and uh, and so this law slash regulation has been eight years in the making. Uh, It's a very very significant piece of regulation. It impacts. All aspects of society, all aspects of industry, the economy, etc. And finally, what is very interesting, especially for your audience, uh, who is a global audience, it is a law which is considered to be extraterritorial. What does extraterritorial means is that even if the scope of the law is really the European Union and a few other countries surrounding the European Union, it does impact any business um, actually outside of Europe. So in the advertising technology industry, which is an area, I, as you said, I know quite well, the U.S. companies, publishers, agencies, brands, uh, or ad tech vendors are all impacted by GDPR. Um, so that's it. And finally, um, finally, I mean, the main principles of the GDPR is that it obviously aims mm-hmm. to provide more visibility, more control, more transparency and more accountability to the processing of personal data. Okay. That's really what it is about.
1: So so when you talk about extraterritorial, so, uh, so that means that it doesn't really re- matter where somebody sits, they have to, if they're doing business with Europeans, they have to abide by this. How did this, is there anything similar in the United States or how did this, let's just use the, use the US as an example. Um, how did it affect businesses there? So, um, very simple. So take, take a publisher, take an American
2: publisher, um, Take, take an American publisher such as, I would say, Chicago Tribune or Los Angeles Times who don't have the same global scope uh, than, say, the New York Times, for example, the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Um, those suddenly from the 25th of May 2018, which is the day that the GDPR was implemented uh, in Europe and so in, on a worldwide basis, those, those publishers would have to start respecting the law for any European visitors on their website. Uh And without getting into that level of detail of what it means, what they had to do, etc., some of the publishers, and I'm talking about big brands, found it so complicated and so so daunting that some of them just decided not to make their site available to European audiences for a few weeks until they sold themselves out. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so that, that's interesting because I, uh, that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, I you know, am, am partly in the United States. I'm partly in, in Europe. And it seems like there was a massive panic and overreaction in, in May um, um, due to this law. Did, ha- did you observe that around the world? Okay, that people maybe overreacted to the law or didn't understand the law? Oh, I think I think there is absolutely. I mean,
2: overreaction. I don't know, um, but don't understand. Yes, definitely. It, it is a complex law. Uh, it's hundred fifty pages uh, that you have to read, and uh, and then also it sits at the intersection of legal complexities and uh, advertising technology. So the problem you have is that most of the ad tech experts would not be comfortable really making legal interpretations. And most of the lawyers, even the tech lawyers, would sometimes find it hard to really apply the law on some details and some elements of the ad tech industry. So what happened? Um, The big ad tech corporations uh, started to really uh, work on the GDPR probably you know, a year before the implementation, a year and a half. I'm talking about, you know, the GAFA's and, and companies like that. Um, and the smaller uh, companies started really, really getting involved in quarter four 2017. Um, American companies with interest in Europe were actually as active trying to understand it than European companies and actually I'm seeing now a lot of eight back companies starting to wake up uh, about GDPR even if uh, you know if the law has been implemented for a few weeks already so I think it's a normal sequence of events based on how far you are from the action now you talked about overreaction um, I think what happened is the, what is called the supervisory authorities, so basically the branches of the regulators or the different national regulators, um, even if from their own point of view, they've issued guidance, very often their guidance was very blurry, uh, sorry to say that, and um, and not necessarily concrete enough for the minds of the attack industry. And that led to people speculating a lot about how they should address the demands of the law and also panicking a lot you're right about fines because under the gdpr fines are capped now and the cap i mean and the ceiling is actually quite high 20 million euros for um you know for for basically for a fine or or and whatever is higher four percent of your global turnover so all for all those reasons people have uh, you know rushed uh, trying to get ready, and what we ended up with is a, sim- a state of semi-readiness for the industry, the tech industry, which is now leading to something else, which is some kind of a GDPR fatigue, uh, which I guess <laughs> has to do with the heat in uh, in northern Europe right now, where most of the tech activity takes place. People, you know, people don't have air conditioning, and then they are a little bit tired with GDPR. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, what's going on is you start hearing other rumors now. You know, after the April, May uh, craziness and panic of oh, what's going to happen? We're going, you know, the market's going to ignore us because we're not compliant. All the regulators are going to fine us. Now we get in July, August something totally different, which is oh, but nothing's happened. <laughs> um, many publishers many publishers still are not collecting uh, consent uh, because one of the basics of GDPR is the fact that, you know, uh, and maybe we can talk about that later, but the fact that the users have to accept to let other entities to collect and process their personal data. And cookies are seen as personal data under the GDPR. So now in July, August, people are saying, oh, what's going on and uh, nothing is happening and you start hearing people say oh it was a lot you know it, as uh, Shakespeare would say it was much ado about nothing <laughs> and I think they were wrong in April May and they're wrong in July August mm-hmm. I think GDPR is probably like you know what Negro pomp? they said about technology you always overestimate the short-term effects and you always underestimate the long-term effects so my feeling is gdpr will be super important will change lives and will change the profile of the industry but it will just take time
1: Yeah, and that, that's a really good point. And we're going to take a quick break, Vincent. And when I come back, I going to talk about, you know, what kind of change and what kind of effect it is having on the ad tech ecosystem. And um, also maybe a, a little, you know, talk about its sister legislation on e-privacy. So we'll talk about that when we get back. And for our listeners, we're speaking with Vincent Poitier founder of the digital consulting company London Digital Ventures, specializing in data privacy, GDPR, data strategies, and global commercial and operational strategies. He is actively consulting on GDPR for numerous tech companies and advising on a range of topics from legal interpretation to technical implementation. And Vincent can be reached at Vincent in London on Twitter and under LinkedIn, under V I potier and that's p-o-t-i-e-r and i'm your host kimberly lewis ceo leadership and business expert you can contact me with questions at leadership beyond borders at gmail.com or join our linkedin group at leadership beyond borders or go to my website leadershipbeyondborders.net and with that we'll be right back
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: If you're ready to take your business to the next level, then be sure to tune in to Ask the Coach with host Oliver Basner. So your team and organization need to work more effectively and it's taking its toll on you as a leader. Is your family and work-life balance out of whack? Now, get the answers you need from a panel of experts. No matter the challenge, you'll find the answers here. Ask the Coach airs live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Work Life Confidential with host Ken Dolan Del Vecchio tackles issues that people just like you face every day. Workplace stress can make you sick. You may face toxic relationships at work, low or no job security, and these stresses may spill over into your home life. Speaking of home life, are you facing problems there? We'll help you sort it all out. Work Life Confidential airs live Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. To business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to Leadership Beyond Borders at Gmail.com. Again, that's Leadership Beyond Borders at Gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are talking with Vincent Pochier, founder of the digital consulting company London Digital Ventures, specializing in data privacy, GDPR, data strategies, and global and commercial operational strategies. And Vincent is an expert expert on digital strategies and GDPR. So before the break, we get, Vincent, we gave our listeners a little bit of insight into a kind of a reminder of what GDPR is and how it happened. And um, you, you talked about the short-term effects and the long-term effects. And people are kind of in, are now saying, well, there was much to do about nothing is what you said. And, um, but it is, is going to have an impact. How do you think this is going to change the, the ad tech ecosystem?
2: Uh, that's a big question. So maybe maybe it would help your listeners um, if, if, it, like a nutshell, I would really summarize what GDPR is about uh, without getting into any level of yeah. detail. But uh, And for the ad tech industry, because that's really what I, I'm talking about today. Um, so, number one, personal data in Europe is now under GDPR totally different from the notion of PII personally identifiable information, which was, um, which was basically defined, if I remember correctly, in 1975 uh, under US legislation. So personal data is cookies, um, device IDs, IP addresses, and also geolocalization, plus the obvious, you know, such as names and uh, email addresses, etc. etc. But what is really changing everything is that suddenly cookies are seen at a re- European level as personal data. So that, and any anyone who knows the ad tech ecosystem knows that really the cookie is really a staple. It's really the fuel of the advertising technology industry. That's how you basically identify users. That's how you know whether users are interested in certain things, less interested in other things, and therefore you decide to serve ads to them or not by using all kinds of platforms, which look at, you know, an amazing amount of data points constantly and through a auction principle, decide to serve an ad to someone or not based on the information you have about him and, um, and that is really matched to his user identifier or his cookie. That's more or less it. Is. So the user identify something which in non-legal terms, we people in common language we would call anonymous uh, because you don't have a name, you don't have a picture, you don't have anything like this. And thanks to that anonymous user ID, you can recognize people and decide to serve ads. That's how historically the ecosystem works. Now, the anonymous word should be pros- prescribed now, um, I mean forbidden. Why? Because the GDPR considers that if there is any way that I can trace back a cookie to a person, to a name, to an email address, then it is personal data. And because with the current tech- technology you can always trace back a um, you know a cookie to a name and therefore to an individual to a person because therefore a cookie is either identified or identifiable therefore cookies are personal data so what does it do it basically means and that's the most important for the ad tech ecosystem that when you want to collect personal data meaning dropping cookies, on people's computers you now need their consent there are several legal bases or lawful bases but the one that the regulator kind of wants the industry to adopt really is consent and that means hey, user I want to drop a cookie on your computer because I need that so that I can really run my advertising business and are you okay with that that's what it means that means that it could change a lot of things for the ad ecosystem. It could eliminate many intermediaries. It could uh, tier the levels of quality of data. So you've got consented data. So, you know, it will be easier to get data which has been consented, meaning where people have said yes from very reputable sources versus smaller publishers. Um, it will mean also that... Maybe in the future, the industry will start at using at other ways of serving ads beyond using personal data such as cookies. So a lot of people have spoken about a return of what is called contextual advertising. So for those who know di- the digital advertising industry, contextual advertising is basically when I serve an ad, not because... I recognize your cookie or your user identifier. And therefore I assume you are interested in this or that product, but rather because you are visiting a page of a given site I have classified or categorized this page as about auto, about fashion, about sports. And therefore, I assume you are interested in sports, auto, or whatever. That's the old way of contextual. And so now contextual is doing a comeback. Uh, Now, you know, 10 years later, contextual is much more precise. The way we categorize pages on the internet is much more granular. There are obviously way more pages uh, than 10 years ago. The pages are of an even higher quality. So these are all the kinds of things which could happen. Less intermediaries, um, more different tiers of uh, data quality, uh, more focus uh, put on really do people, are people okay with the data you want to share? And also different kind of techniques of digital targeting or or advertising targeting which are uh, resurging or which will be invented. Mm-hmm.
1: And this, Vincent, this is also. So we're talking about how how it's going to change the ag tech ecosystem, uh, ecosystem. But but also from me as a consumer, okay, it, it's actually it's it it's going to impact my personal experience also. I would think. Um, I mean, sometimes my personal experience is quite good, you know, because I wanna get things and some things, times it's not because if I go to one website, then I get a, a thousand advertisements the next time on the same subject. I mean, how is this gonna affect the personalization of the user experience?
2: It's a good question. So there are several, several points here. Um, the first one is obviously if the regulator wants the industry to basically use consent as a lawful basis or a legal base to collect, process and pass personal data, meaning cookies. Um, there, there has been a lot of work in terms of how do you ask, um, because obviously many actors in the ecosystem don't have necessarily a direct relationship with the user besides just serving an ad on the publisher's site, which is called the inventory, but they don't really have a direct relationship the, consumer, the publisher is really the one who is user-facing, or also mm-hmm. some portals or some platforms such as Facebook yeah. or Google, etc. But many actors in the ad tech ecosystem are not. Okay? So the industry has been working a lot on what would be an acceptable, non-disrupting way of really soliciting consent. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a precedent in Europe, by the way, um there is you know since 2009 there is a law which is called the e directive which has been implemented in uh, 2000 between 2011 and 12 and which explains when you go to Europe and you, you you look at any european site before the implementation of gdpr so before the 25th of may you would see a horizontal banner at the bottom of your page which is basically telling you that hey we drop cookies on your site, and this is why we do it. And please let us know if you're not okay. And that was the old notion of people consenting to cookies, mm-hmm. which the legislator felt was not strong enough. Mm-hmm. That old notion was called implied consent, meaning if you don't say no, it means you say yes. Okay. All right. And what the legislator wants the industry to go for is what is called Valid consent. Okay, these mm-hmm. are these are words, but these are also legal words. And valid consent means if you say yes, it means yes. If you say no, it means no. And but if you ignore, that doesn't mean you say yes. Okay, mm-hmm. which is totally different from the previous legislation. Um, and 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 so that's that's one point about the user experience. Now, obviously, if you what, what the legislator wants also is he wants users to be informed he wants at the end of the day all this thing all this fuss about consent which may seem odd for American users because you don't really have consent is not as important in data privacy in America it's important but not as you know people are not as obsessed with it as they are in Europe Um, is at the end of the day it's all about transparency if the regulator were Wants consent um, in, um, in, uh, in 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 uh, to be to be really implemented in Europe. It's because they fundamentally believe that the users in Europe are not well informed, and they have to be naturally informed by the publishers, by the ad tech vendors, by everyone, as much as possible. That's what the legislator wants to achieve, total transparency. You know, at any point in time, this is what I'm doing with your data. So, for example, in your case, if you feel you know, if you feel that the balance between um, I want a beautiful user experience and I believe that a personalized user experience is better than non-personalized and on the other hand, oh, I I want, I'm aware that in order to to achieve that, then you will need that data point, that data point, that data point. Then you've got the choice to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, I've got no problem yeah. with that because I prefer my personalized experience or you will say, I don't care about the personalized experience. I just don't want you to grab my data. So at the end of the day, it's about consumer information, consumer education, consumer knowledge. That's Mm -hmm. what the the legislator ultimately wants to achieve.
1: So is there, and I kind of straddle both ponds in the Europe and the United States, and, and so you, know, you said it, it doesn't seem like the U.S. is that concerned with it as much as, as we are here in Europe. Is there anything in the United States in this direction? I mean, because we're actually starting to have two different kinds of standards here, and that's going to be very hard for the ad tech industry.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was already hard. Uh, So a lot of things are happening. So first of all, by the way, when I say not as concerned,
1: Mm. I mean,
2: Americans, I mean, American companies and American legislators are concerned concerned. about, um, about consent. What I was saying is consent is not as central to them in the pieces of data privacy legislation I have seen. Okay. and then the, the the other thing is, so this is what's going on. Um, so you're really Europe, so America is leading the way in advertising technology without a doubt. I mean, it's about 50, 55% of the global market is in the US, another 20, 25 in Europe, okay? But, and and, and the US has led, you know, at tech um, for quite a long time. But with with the regulator implementing gdpr this is starting to change things and for the first time in the history of that tech which is probably you know 15 years to 20 years old um, as an industry american companies have been extremely involved in understanding gdpr so what has happened since the 25th of may legislation has been passed in three states already in america Mm -hmm. first in vermont then in colorado and recently, and maybe we can talk about that in the next segment, in California. And okay. um, California has just passed a law um, three weeks ago called the California Consumer Privacy Act, which lays and potentially could influence uh, federal legislation. Or even if it doesn't influence federal legislation, it may simply influence market behavior, Because 60% of the ad tech companies are in California and you can't do business in digital advertising in America without doing it in California.
1: Right. So, the so California is reading the, really leading the way on that. And um, Vincent, I'd like to come back to that. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a short break now, and I and I'd like to hear more. with I think our listeners would be very interested in hearing more about exactly what California is doing, and then um, maybe a, a short insight into um, kind of what I call the 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 big brother or the little sister or whatever of GDPR, which is the e privacy. In Europe, and, and what's going to happen there. And we're going to take a break right now for our guests. Uh, we are talking with Vincent Cortier, founder of a digital consulting company, London Digital Ventures, specializing in data protection, GDPR, data strategies, and global and commercial operational strategies. He works both here in Europe on GDPR, but also with America companies in the U.S. on implementing GDR, GDPR and other other uh, legislative issues. He's actively consulting for numerous ad companies all over the world. Vincent can be reached at Vincent in London on Twitter and under LinkedIn at vi Potier, and that's p-o-t-i-e-r on linkedin and you're listening to leadership beyond borders on voice america business i'm your host kimberly lewis please contact me with questions and comments at leadership borders at gmail.com and with that we'll be right back
2: How is your
0: work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, Then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel.
3: In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business Channel. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are talking with Vincent Poitier, founder of the digital consulting company, London Digital Ventures, specializing in data privacy, GDPR, data strategies, and global and commercial operational strategies. So we've been talking about, Vincent, now we talked about our, uh, about GDPR, what that is, and and the effect that... It's having, and, and your explanations were, were fantastic trying to bring that forward. And I think my last question was, we've got a couple different um, arenas going on here. And you made an indication that that the, the movements from Europe have now affected some of the movements in the United States with Vermont and Colorado uh, following along and California. Could you tell us a little bit about the new California law?
2: Yeah, of course. So it's a very interesting one. Um, it actually went really, really fast. So, yeah, as I, was, as I was saying earlier, of course, California is, you know, the biggest state, but, and it's the biggest economy in the United States. But for technology and advertising technology, it's like super, super important. I mean, only followed by New York far, far behind. So um, when what California decides in the digital world, is absolutely fundamental for the rest of the United States and the rest of the world. So basically what you had, and and also the second point is California, compared to other states, has always been ahead in terms of data privacy. And GDPR was really the inspiration for something called the ballot initiative, which uh, which was basically started by a group of people who just felt that they had enough that their personal data, I mean, was being collected very often without their knowledge their consent and without enough information. And they decided... To do what uh, California law allows, which is a ballot initiative, which they uh, wanted to put uh, to vote in the next midterm elections, and therefore they were approached by the the state assembly uh, legislators from California, um, and uh, and they decided to do to do a, a compromise where the if the uh, state assembly would vote a variation on the ballot initiative, which was the early proposal of a law, then they would withdraw the ballot initiative and then it would be adopted into law. And it went so fast. Um, It was actually, it was voted, I believe, on the 28th of June, uh, unanimously by both chambers in uh, the California state legislature, And it was signed into law the same day by the governor, Jerry Brown, And now, California has the toughest data privacy law in the country, um, and the implementation date is 1st of January 2020. So, it's different from GDPR, though. Um, Basically, what the California law really, really talks about is a few things. Um, It's mainly interested, it's not so much interested in the mechanisms of obtaining consent, but it really What he's trying to do is, if I had to summarize about three things. One, it wants the consumer, the Californian consumer, to be extremely well informed about everything which goes with their data. So it's really about informing the consumer about what is the information collected what is the information sold? So that's the first difference by the way we do GDPR. The GDPR is not so much interested in the trading of the data, but rather the flow of the data. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing it wants to give the consumer a control back. So it allows consumers to request delete or stop of the selling of the data. And finally, something which is probably the common denominator of every single piece of data privacy legislation i've come across anywhere in the world it's information security as you know the media have been full of stories of data leaks data breaches it's happening all the time and they are very tough on that and um and they actually they actually put a fine per user who has seen is data breached. The other thing that the CCPA does, it also defines personal data in a totally different way from the historical legislation, uh, federal legislation, I believe, in America, uh, which defined PII, personal identifiable information, which really was, you know, um, credit card numbers, social security numbers, names, and all of that. And its definition of what it considers to be personal data very interestingly, is quite similar to the one of the GDPR and is actually broader than the GDPR. So it's really it's uh, it's not only email addresses, names, postal addresses, etc., but it's also IP addresses. It's unique personal identifiers, meaning cookies. It's anything to do with browsing history, anything to do with search history, and at the difference of the GDPR, it's also um, derived data such as uh, predispositions, attitudes, behaviors. That is also seen as personal data, which is really interesting because this means that contrary to the GDPR who says, oh, it's really the data points, the data you create on the data is also seen as personal data. So that's, that's re- and, and one last thing uh, about the CCPA, it's quite hard, as you can imagine, to summarize the legislation in a few mm-hmm. minutes, but um, the, and this is probably one of the most controversial ones for the industry in California, uh, the CCPA wants to make sure that there will be at any point in time a button which is accessible for any user on any site which says do not sell. So he wants he wants total control for the consumer and he wants a consumer not only to be super informed, but to be able to say no to selling of its data at any point in time. As you see, America is, is, is uh, the legislation. There is a lot of transactional and a lot about the trading of the data. Europe is less interested in that. So that's mm-hmm. that's where I would compare the
1: two. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds. It sounds like then, then California has has kind of taken the basics and then added some things in. And I guess my question would be, you know, on trading and data and 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 issues like that. Do you, when's Europe going to address that? And is that there's there's a second. Um, Wave of legislation going on in Europe right now with e privacy is is any of the e privacy wave similar to the California wave um, that's going on and and what's covered there because that's kind of the the next step here.
2: No, I totally understand. You know what? Oh, God, I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> want to be boring for your audience, and, I, and I, I want you know I want to make sure that uh, this is this is obviously um, because legislation is, in, is rooted in real life. Yeah. And when regulation comes to an industry, it totally transforms the industry. Mm-hmm. Think, think financial, finance industry. At the beginning, it was not very well regulated. Once it's regulated, it becomes different. And the ad tech industry is going to go through exactly the same thing. And also remember, it is the first time that the ad tech industry is going through a major piece of regulation. Yeah. Now, I would, say, I would say it probably has to do with philosophy. Um, again I mean I don't want this to sound you yeah. know the wrong way but when I read the different proposals or different drafts from the CCPA the California legislation what is very clear is you're talking about the legislators who have been thinking about digital matters mm-hmm. for a long time yeah. and I compare it to and I'm talking average because they are experts in everything everywhere right. okay Um, but I'm, I, it really feels as if the Californians um, have re- really kind of understand. It's as yeah. if, you know, legislators who have a tendency, uh, I don't want to start getting political, but to be much no. more in their 40s, <laughs> 50s or 60s rather than 20s, um, and um, and the it, it's as if the legislators in their 50s were already digital natives, which is right. quite unique. Um, if you compare with the European legislators, it is not the case. And yeah. if you compare, if you remember the um, the Congress hearings of uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, of mm. Facebook, uh, for those who were watching TV and listening to the questions of the congressmen, yes. reps, or the, oh, yes. or the senators, they clearly, some of them were clearly not digital natives. Right. So this is what is interesting about California law. Now, yeah. back to your question about Europe and trading, I think fundamentally the philosophy behind... Um, data privacy legislation in Europe and in America is different, especially um, in California. Um, I think Americans are much more pragmatic and, you know, data is a commodity. You trade it and, and you capture it. It's always with a commercial objective. Um, mm-hmm. Europeans talk about trading, not so much in the GDPR, but I think fundamentally, The GDPR was also inspired by many fears which have nothing to do with business. Um, I think many people in, um, you know, in uh, European legislation still don't understand why their sons and grandsons are so ready just to share information left, right and center on social platforms. And I think fundamentally, they believe it has to do with lack of awareness and ignorance. So... Philosophically and culturally, you already have differences there, if you follow me. Um, now, not to labor that point, back to your other, uh, the other part of your question, which is about e-privacy. So, e-privacy is a, it's a directive, okay? So, in European law, a directive is different from a regulation, doesn't really matter to your audience. But the e privacy directive which a lot of people in the air tech industry have been talking about is much more specific and focused on technology and digital and at the same time its scope is less way i mean it's less wide than the gdpr and the idea is that e privacy and gdpr cohabit um, mm-hmm. so there was already an e privacy directive which as i i said earlier dates back to 2009 implementation 2011 right. and what the industry has been talking about a lot is the new privacy Directive which was supposed to be uh, implemented at the same time the G- the, than the GDPR which didn't happen okay for Ooh. all kinds of reasons. So now a lot of people are speculating on that. But the reality is the legislative process for e-privacy is just not finished. And um, what you can talk about is only drafts, and therefore you can only speculate. So, um, again, for those who are very familiar with the advertising technology industry, what was really scaring the living daylights of many people um, uh, about this new e-privacy directive was the fact it was something called Article 10, Um, which basically mentioned that, I mean, roughly, in your browser settings, the by default should be do not accept third-party cookies. What does it mean for your your audience who maybe is, uh, for uh, for those who are not so familiar with that tech? It basically means that because third-party cookies are identifiers which are dropped by uh, everyone but publishers, It basically means the ecosystem would have been fundamentally disrupted, Right. Okay. Yeah. Which and and so that was really scaring people because it's very obvious that if by default you don't accept, very few people are going to change their settings simply in order to accept third party cookies. You need a lot of education for that. Okay? Um and so Go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah,
1: that's kind. Of, that's kind of where maybe the legislation in Brussels can learn from California a little bit, <laughs> because I, 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 that absolutely. Would, Yeah, yeah, I, that would really. That would really, really, Vincent. That would definitely. I can. I can see where that would change it. Um, but uh, we're we're getting we're getting down on time, and this is such a great conversation. and I think you and I should continue this conversation, and maybe in the fall when e privacy starts to get the legislation goes through a little bit more. Um, but as we get towards the end we have a lot of people we've, we've got so much information now and, and this is complicated stuff okay like as you said you know it's hard hard to keep track of and and you and i both work in this industry and you're an expert in this industry so we have a lot of we have a lot of leaders out there company leaders managers okay if you if you had to you know tell t- just have one message to them about this whole thing. What would be your message to these leaders, both in the in the United States as well as in Europe, on on how to to grasp these concepts and move forward with them?
2: Oh, it's oh uh, that that's very simple. Um, I'd say take the long view is really the answer. Uh, the problem is so many so many people are short termist and they look at regulation as an obstacle and um, a regulation is not an obstacle it's a transformation device Uh, Mm -hmm. it just means the industry will be different and if it is different it means if you are dynamic and forward-thinking it's a great opportunity to get ahead of the competition there is there is you know I used an analogy uh, which is a finance industry Uh, But I I have a better analogy because I've been influenced by, you know, by what has been popularized, which is this, you know, um, analogy between data and oil. So it's not the first time I use that because I think it's very powerful. Um, You know, at, at the big, I really think the ad tech industry was built as fast as it was built. In great part because data didn't cost anything. Uh, I mean, it did cost something, but it was not really costly within the as a as a as a segment of value within yeah. the ecosystem. And the fact that data was everywhere and was so easy to get hold of really allowed so many innovative projects to be created, and is the main reason why the internet became a beast. Or yeah. Only within twenty years. Yeah. I mean, let's let let's just yeah. let's I just mean, remember. Yeah,
1: it, it is. It's just it's just came, became such a, a fist, But we're we're. I think I think your 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 advice is really great. We're we're almost out of time, and I, I don't want to cut you short. But I, this is a really great advice, and I think you're right. This is the first time it happened. It happened. This is the first time ad tech has been going through it. So let's your advice on leaders embrace the future. And don't look at it short term is is great, Vincent. And I'm going to really encourage our listeners to reach out to you for more information. Um, And uh, maybe we can continue with another segment of this show because this has been fantastic. And this is a, a subject that you just can't get done in one hour. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to really thank you so much. And for our listeners, we're we're speaking with Vincent Portia, founder of Digital Consultancy London Digital Ventures, specializing in data privacy, GDPR, and data strategies. Please reach out to Vincent. He, he's so knowledgeable. I've seen him speak. Um, we've had in great conversations, and you can reach him at Vincent in London on Twitter and under LinkedIn on V I Potier. That is P O T I E R. And uh, Vincent, thank you so much. And uh, let's try to do a, a second segment on this and talk a little bit more about e privacy in the fall when it's really up and going. If that's okay. <laughs>
2: Of course.
1: Okay, great. So for our listeners, you've been listening to Kimberly Lewis, a host of Leadership Beyond Borders on... On Voice America Business Station, please send me an email at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Join my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net, and go to our LinkedIn group. And we talk each week and listen to us, download us on iTunes. And also, you can join us. You can join... Us at our CINDA conference, my CINDA conference, which I am on the board, which is in Dubrovnik from October 14th to 17th, where we've been having a whole session on e-privacy and GDPR. And to join us at the CINDA conference in Dubrovnik, Croatia, a very nice place. All you have to do is click on the banner that is on the Leadership Beyond Border landing page and for the now I'd like to say thank you for listening and please join in with us again next week and Vincent one more time thank you so much for this great information that you provided our listeners and I you hope you're welcome to show again okay thanks thank Vincent. you very much till next week everybody